This week on Luke, Who is Your Father? I think you guys um, are the living proof that uh, what I did so many years ago was the right thing to do. Um, I'm glad that you've turned out to be the way you are. Hello, everyone. It is Monday, May 29th. Happy Memorial Day. Shit is wild out there. And welcome to season one, episode 10, the season finale of Luke, Who Is Your Father? We Have Made It. Ow, ow, ow. <laughs> A podcast about mystery, scandal, and triumphs of the familial variety. This season, we have told you about being triplets, separated at birth. We've dragged you through the trials and tribulations of growing up separately, coming together. And today, we are finally culminating with the end of the hunt for our biological father. You can see this episode and the entire season one, which is crazy, um, and bonus content by subscribing to Luke, Who Is Your Father on YouTube. You can follow us on TikTok at Luke, Who Is Your Father pod, at Ricky Jump, and at Jules, Who Is Your Father, and follow us on Instagram at Luke, Who Is Your Father, and at Ricky Jump, and at Kenny K. We so appreciate your support, and we could we would love, especially in this off-season, if you could just take it 10 seconds to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. <laughs> and I messed something up, it sounds like, but we're going to keep on going <laughs> to share with a friend or family member who you think would enjoy it or just benefit from listening to it all together. Amen. I would love to think that Kenny K, whoever you are on Instagram, <laughs> has received a lot of followers. She says it every time. I am so sorry. <laughs> Kendall's Instagram handle is Kenny K23. Kenny K23. I don't know why I'm just blind to the 23 at the end. All right. Kenny K23. More importantly, and this is more important than ever, we have reached the end of the first season. We've we are, done it. We are going to be taking a two month break in which we will be. Of course, taking a break because going we don't to therapy. kill each other, <laughs> going to therapy, lots of therapy. <laughs> but what we're really focusing on is we're starting to put together season two. We already have our, we have quite a few guests, honestly, lined up. I will be giving you a little sneak peek into our first guest at the end of the finale today. But we need, we will never stop needing more content. We, we have enjoyed this, believe it or not, <laughs> and we want to keep doing it for as long as we can, which means that we need to talk to you guys. We want to toss the mic over to you and um, really just dive into your stories. And we want to hear about the relationships you have with your daddies. We want to hear about, um, you know, mistaken identities, maybe even just coming to terms with the relationships that you have with your family that are not that great. Of course, DNA discoveries, anything that really falls under the large umbrella of really who is or isn't or was or will be your father. So um, we have a, a website where you can do that. We have um, two email addresses. We have Luke, who is your father pod at gmail.com or we have Ricky at Luke, who is your father.com. And then you can submit, again, on our website. It's beautiful. Kendall has done a beautiful job with that, as well as all the other design for the podcast. So you can go there. You can read our bios, any mentions in the press or on other podcasts, see all of the platforms that we're streaming on. 
And most importantly, submit your story. So go check that out at LukeWhoIsYourFather.com. I feel like I've already said this, but I am Jules. (laughs) I'm Kenny. And I'm Ricky. And if you're new here, you can tell that we're excited because this is. This is the finale of our first season. This season, we have told the stories of us. We were separated at birth. Ricky grew up uh, with our birth mother. Kendall and I grew up together as twins. So we talked about what it was like finding out about that. We talked about meeting each other. Both of our fathers ended up passing away at really crucial times in our lives. We talked about how that affected us. And we really got all the way um, to the end here today, which is resulted in us finding our biological father. Ricky kind of spearheaded that search long ago. Kind of spearheaded. (laughs) She spearheaded that search long ago. And um, it's been just quite a journey. And today, we are actually going to be interviewing Keith. So stick around (laughs) for that. Um, Just questions about what it's like being sperm donor that has a massive surprise 35 (laughs) years later into his life. But before we get into that, so we have... A couple things to handle before that. First, we have our crazy question of the day, and then we're going to be revealing the results of our twin zygosity test. Ricky is going to explain more about what that is when we open them, but we're so excited and we have some wagers on the line. So, And thank you so much to My Forever DNA for supplying us with those tests. Oh, yes. We recommend that you do all of your DNA testing with with them. Yes, with My Forever (laughs) DNA. Wonderful family-owned company out of Nebraska, and they are just wonderful ladies as well. So for our crazy question of the day, we know that Keith did not get away with donating sperm anonymously (laughs) and never being found by his biological daughter. So what I want to know is what is the craziest thing you have or have not gotten away with? Ricky, we will start with you. So my friends, Jordan and Kevin, were together for, I think, two years at this point, And we all kind of knew that there was an engagement coming our way. Kevin obviously pointed me as his kind of go-between <laughs> to surprise Jordan with her engagement. And we had to dodge a lot of bullets Um, but we finally made it there and everything was very well set up. We were going to surprise Jordan at her house with a party after he had proposed in Zilker Park. And lo and behold, the night before it rained like seven inches. Of course. They have no power in their house. So Kevin and I are texting back and forth trying to figure out how this is going to work. And I just, he said Jordan was at the doctor. So I called him and was FaceTiming him. And in the middle of our conversation, Jordan walked in. And Kevin doesn't know how amazing I am on the spot. So I see him look up at her and be like, hi. And I just said, well, is that Joe? And he said, yeah. And I said, well, then let me just ask her. And I was like, I really want to go two-stepping tonight. And I texted you and it didn't go through. And I called you and it didn't go through. And I know that you guys probably have plans, so I just want to get this plan made quickly as possible. So I gave Kevin a ring. Do you want to go two-stepping tonight? And she was like, oh, 
I was parked in a parking garage. I'm sorry that I didn't get your messages. Uh, let me talk to Kevin about it. And of course, after we got off the phone, all I was thinking was Jordan walked in on me calling her almost fiance. She probably thinks we're having an affair. So I was freaking out about that, but she did not think that. And we did in fact pull off the surprise engagement of the centuries. She obviously had no idea that it was coming because they had no power and we could just like wasn't, things were not lighting up for them that weekend, but I did surprise her after her surprise engagement with a huge party that we moved to my house. Um, and she was just so shocked that she walked in the door and saw everyone and turned around and just held on to me for like three minutes. It was very cute. Her parents were there. Her friends flew in from all over the country. So I would say that that is the craziest thing that I did get away with. That is so cute. And you, yeah, your ability to think on the spot is incredible because I would not be able to recover the way that you did. That's a good one. You're so... What a sweet surprise. Kendaloni. What is the craziest thing that you have or have not gotten away with? I'm going to have to say, um, and I don't know if this is still a rule or if it's not, but in Colorado at the time when we, um, and if, if, if Dickie's mom, Annette, is listening, I don't know if you know this, and I'm sorry, <laughs> but... <laughs> Uh, when we were 16 and we got our driver's licenses at the time, um, for the first year, you were not allowed to have people under 21 in the car with you, um, for like distraction purposes or something. I don't know. Um, so there was a day Nikki and I, she, she has always been older. She was like six months older. And so, she, uh, she got her driver's license first and we would always drive back to her house for lunch, which is absolutely absurd because it was like <laughs> a, a mile quarter away. mile away. <laughs> but um, we went to Nikki's house for lunch. Uh, but this particular day, it was raining outside. And it was within the year, the first year that Nikki got her driver's license. And we, her mom came home for like, some reason or another from, from work. And we were like, Oh my God, she is going to know that Nikki drove me within the year. And because it's pouring rain outside, we're clearly not wet. We clearly did not walk here. And of course, Nikki's car was in the driveway. So, uh, I snuck down to the basement. I climbed out the basement window. Oh, this is absurd. <laughs> And went and hid in the back of her car until she could make a break for it. And then we went back to school. And something totally tells got away me from, with that. That was completely unnecessary. It's <laughs> <is> very cute. <laughs> oh man, and that is really gonna just keel over in horror. <laughs> All right. Well, I suppose it's my turn. Oh my gosh. I was originally going to say something that I had gotten away with, and it turns out that I have hardly gotten away with anything, <laughs> um, which is great. I think that's a good lesson for me to learn is that I, you guys learned last episode, almost never get away with anything. So when I was in high school, I had a crush on an older boy that 
was living down in Boulder, which is about an hour away from Fort Collins. My parents were gone, as they were a lot of the time, seeking treatment for my dad. And um, I decided that I was going to drive down to Boulder to spend the nights with a boy in college. And I, this was, we're going to be aging ourselves here. This was in the time of MapQuest. <laughs> so I got onto MapQuest, searched his address, had, you know, it's step-by-step directions. Kids, look it up. It's fascinating. And I printed out the directions, went and spent the night with said boy in college and came back home. And I thought I had gotten away with it until my parents got home and my mom found the directions to CU Boulder still open on the map quest. I'm sure it was a school night or something as well. So it was something that I almost got away with. I did not. My mom there was absolutely furious. I'm sure I was grounded as I was for a lot of my high school career. And that wraps up the crazy questions for the season. And holy shit, am I happy about it. (laughs) The Queer Family Podcast. Well, hello there. My name is Jamie, and I am the host of the Queer Family Podcast, the show all about family but with gay, as we like to say. (laughs) The point of the show is and always has been to highlight LGBTQIA plus families, letting the whole world know that despite the fact that we work very hard to create our extremely intentional families, we're just like every other parent out there trying not to yell at our kids when they still haven't put their shoes on and we are already 25 minutes late for school. The struggle is real. Am I right? I go in-depth with weekly LGBTQIA plus folks and some allies on how they built their families and how they show up in a world that wasn't necessarily designed for them. We laugh a lot. We cry a little. We learn a lot. And through our stories, we illustrate the undeniable fact that love is in fact love and love makes a family. I hope you tune in, and if you like what you hear, you subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts, and make sure you're following us on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube, where you're going to find some video episodes as well. Tune in. Happy listening. I'll see you soon. Love is love is love on the Queer Family Podcast. Love is love. We want to know in the comments, what in all of our social media, what is the craziest thing that you have ever gotten away with or not gotten away with? Because I'm sure that that'll be some fun social media content for our little reprieve as well. Well, drum roll, please. Ricky, tell us about what we're about to do. So we are about to open our zygosity tests from My Forever DNA. This is where we were testing to see if any of us were identical. And there's a lot of, (laughs) mostly for my mom, (laughs) a lot kind of riding on the opening these envelopes. Um, She asked me to text her as soon as we knew. Oh my God, she's still carrying that. (laughs) Yep. So I think we all placed bets. Me and Julianne did end up betting that we were identical. 
Um, but you know, it's really, it's anyone's guess. I don't know. Kendall, do you, are you feeling any type of way? I just got nervous, like weirdly. I don't know why. I just got like a little flitter in my my, my chest. Are we ready, ladies? We yes. promised you guys. Oh, wait. We promised you guys that we would open this on air. We received these results to our email addresses. Oh. We deleted them out of our inboxes before looking them. at them. And Kendall had someone print them off at work, <laughs> put them in these nice envelopes for us. So here we go. Let's do it. Oh my goodness. So monozygosity means what? Twins. It's identical twins. So they, the piece of paper that I have is the results between uh, Kendall and myself. Yeah, let's just really rub it bunch in. Of, we'll do you guys last. <laughs> bunch of bunch of numbers that I don't know what they mean. But at the end, it says, it gives you like the probability of monozygosity. And mine says 0%. <laughs> it says the tested individuals are excluded as, excluded as identical twins. The genetic markers observed are not identical. Based on testing results from the DNA loci listed, the probability of twin monozygosity is 0%. So, Kendall, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but Damn you and it. I Son are not identical <laughs> twins. <laughs> and I have the results for me and Ricky. Shocker of all shockers is also a 0% prob- probability of monozygosity. Wait, but what is it? Oh, look at me shaking. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> oh, I was hoping they would sh- tell us, like, how much, what percentage of DNA that we shared. But I guess we'll just have to do that on another test. Okay, are you ready? Mm-hmm. No. No? <laughs> uh, based on testing results obtained from the DNA... Listed, the probability of twin monozygosity is 99.9%. Shut the <laughs> fuck up. So I'm, like- <laughs> I am shocked. You, you said yes. I was lying. <laughs> I was 100% lying. Oh, no, Kathleen, I'm so sorry. I am actually floored. I am actually shocked. <laughs> Do we need to take a minute? Are we good to go? That's like a lot of nines on there. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> there. Yeah, it just doesn't leave any room for. Wow. Thank you, my forever DNA. Question. I. I am shocked. <laughs> I'm shocked. <laughs> How do you feel, Rick? Uh, like I'm gonna pass out. Liberated? I've been feeling that way all day. I do feel satisfaction in being right. You were right. <laughs> um. I just mostly think it's like crazy. If you're a fucking scientist, you need to get on this because the difference from the environmental factors is like really something to behold. I think that's really, really crazy. Mm-hmm. It like, I just don't understand because just so you guys know what she's talking about, I'm, I'm measuring at a good five, solid five, seven, five, eight. Kendall and Ricky. What? I'm, I'm at five, three. I'm five, four. Five, four. So I, I tend to tower <clears throat> over these two a little bit. And then I think that's that's the big one. That's yeah, the noticeable and then one. like our teeth are different, but we had different orthodontists. Mm-hmm. Our lips are different, but we have different injectors. <laughs> <laughs> but like also, like I just when you there are very clear identical twins that when you put them up next to each other, you literally can't tell them yeah, apart because they grew up together. <laughs> so strange! Wow, I am I I. 
I am shocked. <laughs> I am shocked. Well, that was so fun, and I didn't think that's what that was going to say. Well, and it, I, it's really interesting because, like, we always say we looked so much alike when we were little. Mm-hmm. That would have been before in the, the cruel world. The cruel world. <laughs> had time to work its... Man, so I really should have been five seven. Yeah, what a bummer. I guess you're. I guess you were stunted by trauma. I was. Wow. <laughs> well, I stand corrected. Thank you so much, my forever DNA. That was a. That was. I'm. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, she's speechless, folks. <laughs> so we definitely did take some wagers on that. I think our next guest was actually um, betting on the fact that we were fraternal mm-hmm. as well. The man of this house was betting that we were identical after spending a weekend with us. Is that was it was that his tipping point? Yeah. I cannot remember if I asked Luke. Oh, I don't know. I did. Oh, That's you what did. I'm about. Oh, Luke said he did think we were gonna be identical. Yes. What did Colin think? Yeah, yes. He said yes. Mm-hmm. Well, I am I'm I'm <laughs> the I was wrong. I was wrong. Kendall, how do you feel? I feel fine. <laughs> Everything is fine. <laughs> so what that means is that we were one egg. Yeah, it sounds like we were one egg. One egg that's split into two. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Well, today I learned. <laughs> um, that was so fun. Again, that was a partnership that we did with My Forever DNA. Go check out their site. They have all kinds of tests that you can take. They handle a lot of court cases and things like that. So go check them out. They're great. The ladies that work there are great. And it's just a much more personal touch on DNA testing uh, as opposed to just like kind of churn them and burn them. So I think that leads us to what we are talking about today for the finale. And that is that we, Ricky, found our biological father, which we spoke about last episode. And we ended the episode telling you all that we were actually going to be meeting him in person for the very first time in San Diego, which we just got back from doing. And then we're actually going to have him on and see kind of what his take was on that and how he feels about everything that has happened in his life in the past six months. So Ricky, why don't you tell us what it was like meeting Mr. Keith Stonebridge for the first time? Yeah, so he came <clears throat> came to see us in San Diego. We kind of last minute decided we were going to go to the, the zoo, <laughs> which I don't think we would do again. No. Quite, quite sad. Yeah. Uh, and then we were going to go out to dinner. So I realized the morning that he was arriving that I had been bearing an inordinate amount of stress ever since we agreed to meet, I think. So I started to really kind of freak the fuck out. <laughs> and I think that kind of transferred over to Julianne in the final minutes. Uh, and then he let us know that he was in the parking lot. And we went out there and we'll discuss it in the interview. But we thought he was in a PT cruiser and I stopped. I looked out the window and I said, oh my God, Ricky, what if he's in the PT cruiser? <laughs> stopped and discussed whether or not we should turn right around. <laughs> Um, but he was not in a PT cruiser. He was in a perfectly, not even just acceptable car, um, a great car. And he got out and that's when we were both like, oh my God, it's the, we, we 
have never met a man that we bear any resemblance to, obviously. Um, And it was pretty strange. Same, if you just cut from here up, just the same. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it was crazy because I was was shocked by that right, our first face-to-face encounter. And then we went to go grab a little bit of lunch, some drinks before going to the zoo. (laughs) And him and Ricky were sitting like catty corner to, they were next to each other, um, which was weird because he was next to both of us in a certain way. But looking between the two of them and seeing how similar their faces were was crazy. And I'm really sorry, Keith, I'm going to have to blast it out. (laughs) One of the first things that we did is we also looked over at Keith's hens. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if we've said anything about this on the podcast, but all of us have very long, small, delicate hands, long, slender fingers, but definitely small hands. Uh, as We're sporting to, a three and a half. Yeah. Three and, four and a half, and ring, a half size. ring size. Yeah. And I looked over and I saw my hands at the end of Keith's arms. <laughs> and that was crazy. Just little similarities. <laughs> Never would have guessed. That. Yeah. And that's where we got, yeah. got our hands from. So Kendall, while we were up to this, what were you thinking? You didn't join us. So I'm just wondering, did you have nerves on the day? Were you, once again, cool as a cucumber? Any thoughts going through your head? I was once again (laughs) cool as a cucumber. (laughs) Um, I enjoyed getting the picture from you guys. Um, I do think it ended up working out perfectly. I didn't not go because I wasn't ready, although I, I still probably am not ready. Um, but I didn't go because I've had like two trips already this month and I was like, I can't, I can't do it. I got to stay home. Um, but I do think it ended up working out well. Cause as we have discussed, y'all have big personalities and I feel like I would have probably been trying to, or just not, and just been like quiet. It probably would have been like, I wasn't even there. <laughs> The whole time. I think you're wrong about that. I do too. I think that you two are two peas in a pod insofar as like your disposition and temperament. I think that you would have been very comfortable around each other. And I think just based off the conversations that we had that day and what we'll hear from him later, I think that Keith would have gone really far out of his way to make you feel comfortable as well. Yeah. Yeah. So not that. Like you said, I think it all happened exactly the way that it should be. Yes. Yeah. He's just a good, good guy in that respect, in all respects. So we got in his car. He is a courageous driver. (laughs) (laughs) Like all of us. Um, We went and got some drinks. And I think that was really good to just sit down at Mm -hmm. lunch before the zoo. The zoo would have been untenable to like have conversations. Um, and yeah, we basically just asked him, we asked him some of the questions that you'll hear us ask on the pod today, but really just how he was feeling and what he felt like when he found out and more about his childhood and brief stints in various extracurriculars. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Just kind of getting, getting to know him. It was great. Yeah. Yeah. Easy rolling. And I think, um, Kendall, we, he did bring us two presents and we got one of them to you. He's so sweet. He, he knows that Kendall, we all like snack food, Trader Joe's. He got us these little rice noodle cake things from Snader, Snader Joe's, <laughs> from Trader Joe's 
that were delicious. So that was interesting seeing that he had a little bit of a similar taste there. And then he got us three bottles of wine and we tried to bring them home and they shattered in my suitcase, (laughs) which was a lovely surprise to come home to. But I think overall, we should probably let him do most of the, the talking today. Yeah. So without further introduction... The man, the myth, the legend, the spawner of many, many children <laughs> that he did not know about until six months ago, went 35 years without this information, and then was absolutely dumped on and handled it like a champ. Here is our interview with Keith Stonebridge. Welcoming our final guest, our biological father, Keith Stonebridge. Keith, can you hear us okay? I can hear you. How's everybody doing? Hi, Keith. Hi, Keith. We're doing well. How are you? I'm doing good. Fantastic. Where are you calling in from today? I'm from uh, home in Arizona. Very nice. Well, I think it would be a good time before we jump in. First, we're going to ask you the crazy question of the day, and then we'll kind of do the, we'll talk about our time that we spent together in San Diego. So the crazy question of the day, Keith, is what is the craziest thing you've ever gotten away with? Oh, um, gotten away with, all right. um, This isn't something that I actually got away with. It's something that I thought I got away with. Um, when I was a very small child watching my cartoons, um, commercials for, uh, the national forest service would come on the smoky bear. You're all familiar with smoky bear. Indeed. Okay. So (laughs) he would say to me, he'd look at me all official, like point at me and say, only you can prevent forest fires. Right. Mm -hmm. Being very young and naive thought that any time that there was a forest fire, it was my fault because I didn't do anything to prevent it. And I thought that was my job was to prevent forest. And I always felt so guilty of whenever there was a forest fire happening and I just could not tell anybody. And I just held it forever until I became old enough to realize that he was actually just telling you to put out fires and not, or your cigarette butts out the window. <laughs> so. so you thought you thought that you had gotten away with unintentional arson several times. Several times. You specifically. <laughs> you didn't think he was talking to everyone. You just thought Smokey Bear was talking specifically to you. Yes, because Aww. I was often That's so traumatic. <laughs> that is kind of so pathetic. Then <laughs> years later. Say, you know, talking, you know, and you talk to other people about your childhood and stuff. And I'd say, yeah, and remember when you thought you were responsible for those forest fires because of Smokey Bear? And they're all like, what are you talking about? No. And so that was just you. <laughs> oh, well, thank you for sharing with us, Keith. <laughs> so You're as welcome. we told, um, told the listeners last week, that was right right leading up to us coming to see you in San Diego, me and Jules. We all met there. Yes. So I think it's a perfect place to kind of 
jump in and just get your take on what it was like to meet two out of three of your, well, I guess two out of five (laughs) of your, unbeknownst to you up until December, biological daughters. Um, I thought it was fantastic. It was really great to meet you. Um, I don't know how much you've said about how much we've been communicating up until that point, but um, I think it had been quite a bit and to finally see you guys for the first time. That was actually the first time I'd ever spoken with um, Julianne. Uh, we've only texted before, but uh, yeah, spending the day with you and your boyfriends was a lot of fun. I felt like uh, I felt like <laughs> I felt like a dad taking his little fourteen-year-old girls and their friends out to the zoo and to ice cream. That's exactly <laughs> how I felt. <laughs> was because I know I. This is Julianne. I don't know if you're. Can you differentiate between our voices on the phone? Yeah, I think so. Okay. So Rick and I, I was feeling pretty calm right up until just literal minutes beforehand. And then I got really nervous all of a sudden. I think Ricky had been sustaining some nerves for an extended period of time. Were you nervous driving? Were you nervous in the weeks leading up to that? Or were you cool as a cucumber? Uh, I wouldn't say cool as a cucumber. I was more excited than nervous. I I felt pretty comfortable with you guys texting with you. So no, I don't I don't think I was nervous, but I was I was very excited. That's definitely a trait that we've identified that you share with little Miss Kendaloni over here. Just kind of unflappable, cool as a cucumber, not jumping out of your seat with excitement or with nerves. Um, just be like a low manageable rate of excitement. <laughs> yeah. then when you saw us for the first time I think that was the weirdest part for me is literally seeing you get out of the car and well before we talk about that we got to tell you I think we already alluded to it but we almost ditched you right there because we thought that you were sitting in a PT cruiser in the parking lot (laughs) yeah I wouldn't be driving a PT cruiser don't worry and we were like, oh my God, we, we didn't, have to we go. didn't know what the make or break car would be. And now, <laughs> now we, we know. see that that's the make or break car. I think weird is that, so you weren't, weren't you nervous then leading up to it? And I think the weirdest part for me was when you got out of the car, because Ricky and I, I, we know that Kendall looks a lot like Kathleen, but if you look at younger pictures of Kathleen, Ricky and I look a lot like her as well. So I don't think I was expecting when you got out of the car to see how similar our faces looked to yours that like stopped me in my tracks a little bit did that did you already know that was going to happen or did that surprise you at all um well actually I was pretty familiar with what you looked like um I know you guys probably weren't that familiar with what I look like now but um no it didn't surprise me and I actually think that you and um, Ricky look more like your mother, your birth mother. And I think Kendall actually looks more like me. I've always thought that. I'm sure I wouldn't be surprised. Interesting. That is very interesting because when you were sitting across from me at lunch with Julianne right by you, I was like, wow, it and is truly uncanny. Yeah. And same thing for me because we had kind of the same view. Yes. Yes. So... 
I don't know whose perception is off there. <laughs> or maybe it's all true. Maybe, maybe it's, it's all, all true. true. Yes. Because we have the both, we all three have the heavier, like Cro Magnon brow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the the green eye is in the almond shaped hooded, hooded eyelids. eyelids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's what well we're... I'll tell you what, when I first saw your Instagram page, Ricky, um I at that point I wasn't exactly totally sure you were really uh <laughs> my daughter um but then what you know I, I you know i thought you might have hacked into the cryo bank or whatever but um <laughs> i saw <laughs> there's okay there's there's parts of my face on her face so that's what i knew for sure and yeah i was already familiar with the fact that we had we did have some similar features. Um, yep, yeah, that must have been really interesting when, you, when I sent you those photos for the first time. It must have been like if you had a, a jigsaw puzzle with only like 60% of the pieces and then 20, 20 years later, somebody gives you the rest of the jigsaw puzzle. Yeah, it's like, yeah, oh. I do. Exactly. I think that's exactly what it was like. Yeah, cool and joke. With your, so seeing us and then between us and your your two daughters, do you see? Do you feel like there's a difference in the similar and just looks like wise right now? Do you think there's a difference in how much similarity you see between your daughters now? Well, your daughters, <laughs> your daughters now, your daughter, your younger daughters, and us. Um, it's kind of the same because obviously you have different mothers. Um, there are some similarities, but I don't think my daughters are going to look like you guys right when they grow up. but yeah i mean i i see things in my daughters and i see part of me and their mother in them um and i obviously see parts of me and your mother and you and I, I think it kind of works the same thing i think um when they grow up people will say that or would say if they saw you both that yeah you can, guys can definitely be sisters but no, not that's what I was going to say. Is do you think we look alike at all? <laughs> so I think Rick, if you want to kind of take us back, maybe. <laughs> so going back to the beginning, Keith, you oh. would have gotten a call from your brother Roman. Yes, because I had reached out and contacted him. So tell us about that phone call. All right. First of all, uh, Roman almost never calls me unless it's like my birthday so seeing his name come up on the phone i thought something could be very very wrong here and um i picked up and i said hey ro what's up and he goes i have a question for you yeah and he goes were you a sperm donor in like maybe the late 80s possibly early 90s and i said yeah and he goes oh okay that's interesting because you never told me that before but then again why would you (laughs) so anyway i just spoke to your biological daughter and she'd like to meet you and i'm like no no way (laughs) pulling no punches (laughs) (laughs) my heart drops way deep into my stomach and i'm just my mind just starts racing around and I'm just thinking what just happened here is this is this 
scammer? Is this a blackmailer? Is she a catfisher? I mean, sorry, but there could have been a lot of things going wrong here. And uh, he told me that it was he. It was partially uh, my aunt Jenny who had helped him or helped you find me. And then I was like, "Oh, Jenny," because <laughs> I knew that. <laughs> if it was Jenny, then it's probably true because that's that's my aunt Jenny's thing—the whole ancestry DNA. Mm-hmm. And I could just her finding this new family member because she gets really excited whenever she finds like a dead family member, <laughs> a live family member. She 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 was probably just out of her head. And and I said. Uh, Oh man, okay. And then he says, and also, uh, by the way, she's one of three triplets. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> this does not happen in real life. And now it's happening to me. So I asked him a little bit more about it. And he told me that you didn't have uh that you said you didn't have a ideal childhood and that you started crying and uh and i said oh oh boy um and i said okay i didn't want to i couldn't if this if you were really like my biological daughter i didn't really want to turn my back on you i don't think you should ever turn your back on your own flesh and blood because, you know, you never know why when you might need bone marrow, right? So, <laughs> Sound but, logic. Yeah. Sound logic. <laughs> yeah. So I said, no, it's just not, it's just not in my nature to just ignore you. So I told him that I've got this super secret uh, email it's supposed to be unhackable. And, and I said, okay, I'm going to give you this email address to give to her. And if she wants to send me an email, go ahead. But I can't see myself ever uh, ever meeting her in person. You could let her know that because it, it's probably not in the cards. So I gave uh, Roman um, that email address to, to give to you. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's what I was thinking at the time. You know. I'm sure that we'll talk again one day, and I have a few words for Roman. Guys, <laughs> I did not say that I wanted to meet you. I said I just wanted to confirm your identity. And I did start crying on the phone call, but not to express to him that I had a child. It was when I asked some defining questions about you to confirm who you were. And he said, yes. I have a brother that donated at that time or that was born in that year and studied that thing in college. And then I choked up and I said, okay, well, I think that that is my biological father. But it was a highly charged phone call. So I'm sure that anyone could misremember pretty much anything that happened. From it. Well, I think you, uh, I think you won Roman over and he's the one that wanted me to meet you yeah <laughs> oh roman was going to bat he was spinning a tail he was bringing the drama so that you would feel more feel more inclined to to meet ricky that makes sense that's really cute that's really sweet <laughs> and yeah. hilarious um so if Wait, you take it 
Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was going to say I I, um, I learned later that you you are a uh, crier. Yes, <laughs> um, sagacious. <laughs> your your emotions are like right there at the surface, and um, so I was going to ask you why why you did cry. It wasn't because you were sad about your childhood, right? It was just because of the emotion of actually finding me, right? Yeah, I had been on the on a on a half-blown hunt for a couple of years at that point so just to know to know that all of that work had paid off and then that you were one degree of separation away that's what brought me to a quick tear <laughs> okay yeah i think i think you being a crier you might get that from me by the way because <laughs> i think we I, <laughs> I tend to choke up easily at some silly things sometimes yeah I, some uh, commercials. <laughs> Commercials <laughs> School of Rock with Jack Black. Oh yeah. Like so um yeah. So you this was well I guess we're we're 31. So this was after 31 years, or actually even longer. I think it was even longer because I think those you, puppies were on ice. Yeah. So I think it was probably like 35 years and you hadn't heard a peep. So when I want to just take us back for one more second and then we can we can move forward. So when you went in to donate um, to donate sperm when you were in college, mm-hmm. what was kind of like your mindset? Did you ever expect that to go anywhere? I don't even I think we've talked about it and I've just like blacked out the answer, but I don't know if they were meant to um, notify you and it's successful. I don't think so. Kind of that's I'm curious about what because that's I mean, 35 years is long time. <laughs> What was your mindset when you donated? And then as time went on, did you think about it less and less or think that it was less likely that you were going to hear anything, all of that? Yeah, when I donated, um, I was supposed to be uh, completely anonymous. And I I wasn't supposed to ever hear um, if I had a successful thing. It was just do the thing and and be done with it, right? I, I thought the agreement, I thought their agreement was that if my offspring were able to find me, I was in, I was under no obligation to communicate with them and no financial obligation or anything like that. And it would be my choice uh, whether I wanted to communicate with them or not. Um, and then, yeah, the years went by and obviously I didn't hear anything. I honestly never thought it was even a chance of me hearing anything. Um, and of course I didn't know if any had taken, um, you guys were just theoretical, hypothetical, whatever. And, uh, you know, I didn't know if there were any, I didn't know if there were a lot, but I certainly didn't think that, uh, that I would hear from anybody. And then as the years went on, it like went further and further, even to the back of my mind where, I wasn't even thinking about it much anymore. Um, so then, yeah, when, when I got the call from, from Ricky, it was a complete shock, just total shock. Yeah. And something that I never, ever thought would happen. And then I think about, so when, when the when at-home DNA testing started becoming popular, I think that if I were a criminal and I knew that at-home DNA testing was becoming a thing, I would shit my pants, right? I think that I would become very, very paranoid right away that I would 
that something was going to come out. But did you, once that started becoming prevalent, did that even like tickle your mind that that might result in something? You know, it really, because I was just kind of oblivious to that. I mean, I know you'd think that being a sperm donor, I would, you know, be keeping up with stuff like that. But I didn't, I wasn't really hearing a lot of stories. Um, I did have a friend who was adopted and she hired a private investigator to find her birth mother. And he did that pretty easily. Um, And that was a happy ending and everything. But I, I figured that the sperm domination would probably be harder. It would be harder to find me if someone actually did look for me because um, one thing is I don't make myself easy to find. I don't have social media or anything like that. And uh, I don't think you could really find me by looking up my name on, on the internet. So um, no, it, it, it wasn't a concern even when that stuff was going on. And then at the time that I gave, there wasn't, there was barely even an internet. So we had no idea how powerful that was going to be in the future. So, um, yeah, total back of my mind. Okay. So did you make yourself difficult to find because you had donated sperm? No, I mean, perhaps subconsciously, maybe, um, but I always wanted to make myself difficult to find in general. Um, part of it's probably a little bit of paranoia because I don't want to, you know, I didn't, I figured if I didn't have a social media presence, it would be harder to, you know, hack into my bank records or whatever, or I've never really wanted to go to any of my reunions and I didn't want anybody looking me up to go to a reunion or anything like that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) bit of a, bit of a lone ranger. Well, they just make you feel old. You see people years later and they all look old and you figure, gosh, they must be looking at me like I'm old too. And (laughs) (laughs) Anybody I'm already hanging out with, I don't want to look for people from high school that I didn't want to hang out with in the first place. So, um, yeah, I wasn't people finding me for any reason, but part of it might've been the sperm domination, but, uh, yeah, it wasn't specifically because of that, no. Okay. Kendall, what's your question? Feel free to not answer or pass, um, but I'm just curious because we don't, as you know, we don't hold back in this in this podcast. Um, were you just like a really altruistic guy or were you trying to make a quick buck for the... Because <laughs> I know oh. we all looked into uh, egg donation and I think it's probably because... You could make a lot of money doing that, but we're not genetically perfect. Yeah, it certainly wasn't out of the spirit of altruism. Yeah, no. (laughs) What was uh, your reasoning for donating sperm? Well, I'll tell you what. A little bit of both. Um, When I was in college, Pepperdine is in Malibu. Um, Very expensive to live down there. And I had made a deal with my parents that um, if they pay for tuition, I would take care of room and board. and I already had a um, part-time job, um, and I was living in a one-room apartment in Venice, California, um, which is up or down Pacific Coast Highway from Pepperdine. Um, 
and it was it was 500 a month which sounds like nothing these days but back in the late 80s it's hard to it's hard to get by um with a part-time job and having to pay 500 a month in rent so i saw this ad in the newspaper um and it was a way to make some money without having to actually go to work and put in the hours um so i thought it'd be a good way to kind of make ends meet because i could also help people that weren't able to have babies to have babies and so it was it was a little bit of both it was i thought it was kind of a noble way to be able to do that and to be honest back then i didn't think i would ever get married or have kids um so i thought that might be a, a way to have me put a legacy out there even if i didn't get credit for it um <laughs> but at least i'd have a bloodline out there and and sort of keep the keep the line going because uh, I didn't think that my siblings would have kids either. So um, I did end up being the only one of them of, of us to have kids. But yeah, that's that's probably what it was at the time. A little both. That's so interesting. I have two questions. One is easy. How many times did you donate? Uh, it was a long time ago. Um, I would guess maybe ten ish. Yeah. Well, that many. Yeah. I bet you got some surprises coming soon. <laughs> <laughs> that is incredible! Wow. And you are just yeah. Are you? You've got to be. I mean, somewhat proud of your swimmers, I guess. <laughs> So I told Roman, I'm like, oh my gosh, my boys can swim. <laughs> <laughs> and my other question was, it's interesting that you bring up that Roman has not, you knew that he probably wasn't going to have kids. All mm -hmm. of us have more or less decided that we're not going to have kids. What indicated to you that Roman wasn't going to and you likely weren't going to? Like, what was it that made you say that? Um, well... You know, back then when I looked at, you know, you you think about your future, and I never pictured myself um, married or with kids. Um, I think it might have to do with um, my grandfather on my father's side. Before I was born, he left my grandmother, just abandoned the family. I never knew my grandfather on my father's side. And then uh, when I was about and my parents got divorced. Um, so my dad left the house. I mean, he was still in my life and everything, thank goodness, but um, he wasn't in the house anymore. And it's, you know, it's just not the same. So, um, so I didn't want to, I probably didn't want to become part of the pattern where I would get married and have kids and leave them because uh, I, I think I saw a pattern sort of developing there. And uh, I, my brother never seemed like the marrying type. Um, he eventually did get married, but after I did, I got married very late. So he probably got married too late to have kids. Um, and my sisters never got married either. Um, so, yeah, I think I think that had something to do with it. 
That's so funny. This seems like a genetic trait. (laughs) (laughs) So you, you have 35 years between donating sperm. You get this phone call. You and Ricky start communicating back and forth, which I'm sure you guys want to talk a little bit more about, but bringing us back to uh, San Diego, that was the first time that you, not the first time you found out that you had other successful donations, but that was the first time I think that you had seen pictures of yet another um, daughter that you spawned. (laughs) What was that like? Um, That was... (laughs) That was um, weird, um, but by then I was a little used to it. Um, <laughs> I hadn't seen I hadn't seen pictures of uh, you or Kendall for a while after I met Ricky, and seeing you guys was weird um, and interesting. Um, but <laughs> can you imagine? I mean, like, no, I've no, got this, I've got this little little nuclear family here four people and then literally overnight i find out that i'm like nick cannon (laughs) (laughs) oh my god so much better than nick cannon (laughs) that guy no i cannot i cannot imagine that feeling and something that i've noticed is that when you discover one of these children you seem to be very I'm obviously curious about what they look like, but you're very uh, curious about the way that they're living as well. So what does it feel like to, because you have your, your children, what, what's the difference there in like the emotion and the care that you have for, for the life that they're leading? Um, that's interesting because when I got to know you, Ricky, better, um, I thought we got closer and closer and, and, you know, I felt like I am responsible for you guys being here and um, your happiness is important to me. I want you guys to do well. And, um, you know, that's, it's, it's weird because like for Ricky, um, I started feeling kind of parental towards her. Um, like protective and I kind of worried about her and I had to tell myself, you know what, this is a grown woman. She's been taking care of herself for long before I even knew she existed. I don't really have to worry about her. She lives with this big army guy boyfriend. We have about 10 minutes left and we do have a lot of people who listen to the podcast who are not parent expected or donor conceived people. They're all within that community. And I'm sure that they want to know, when I reached out to you, you received me very warmly. Why was that? Was it the way that I went about it? Or what what do you think is most appropriate in that situation? And what were you comfortable with? Um, Well, I, I felt like you were very sincere. Um, You know, I'd seen, I was wondering if you were reaching out to me because you were so sad, but, uh, you know, I saw your Instagram page and I figured that you weren't sad. You were very uh, self-aware and I figured that this was just sort of a quest for self-awareness because, you know, you get to know me, you get to know yourself a little bit better. Um, You did say that 
uh, you were happy in your first letter to me and that you weren't really looking for anything. And, uh, and you were just very, very nice and you'd continued to be nice. So, um, yeah, I, I'd say, you know, be cautious, let, let your, uh, let the person who then donated, uh, know why you're looking for them and, and just, you know, be honest. Thank you. That was beautiful, kind of, actually. It was. Yeah. <laughs> and then for people who have donated, what would you tell them? I would say be very careful about, um, know that, know that your offspring could come and find you someday, even if you think they can't. Um, do it for the right reasons. Um, I would say don't do it for the money because the money is not life-changing at all, at least for me. Um, so, you know, do it for the right reasons and, and know that it might not necessarily end perfectly. Um, you know, you never know what's out there. You never know what's going to happen here. I mean, let's face it. I sure didn't expect your situation Um I sure didn't expect to be donating to somebody whose fathers were going to die at a young age. And, you know, that could have a pretty traumatic effect on a kid. Um, I'm glad you guys are all doing well and uh, very proud of all of you, by the way. Um, I think you guys are doing good work with this podcast. You've covered a lot of topics. Um, but uh, yeah, just 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 know what you're getting into uh, if you're going to do it. Do you think? And I haven't even considered this a possibility, but like I think for for us finding our sperm donor, you and Kendall, for me, no, I think for any of us, there's obviously it could go one of two ways, right? They could be a great great person, or they could be a bad person, and I think. I didn't think about the other side of it. How would you have felt if you had had offspring that had come and found you and then if getting to know them, you did not like the people that they had become? Um, yeah, that'd be tough because um, I'd feel partially responsible for that. And uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I would handle that well i would i would think that oh my gosh i made a mistake all those years ago but uh and yeah i was wondering i, I know in the last episode you had asked uh ricky what would have how she would have felt if she went looking for me and found out that i passed away and um so glad that that didn't happen but um what if you had gone looking for me <laughs> what if you I'm looking for me and found out that I was like in jail. I was going to be there for 10 years. Would you have gone to visit me? No. Mm -mm. Okay. I've been to visit people in jail one too many times. Time <laughs> <laughs> you went to visit somebody in jail. No, um, I've, I've never visited anybody in jail, but um, yeah, I was, I was wondering that. I mean, would you'd probably want to know what I'd look like. 
Yeah, I think yeah, I would have just kept it at asking for photos of you when you were younger. Okay. Um, I think you would have felt the same way. Like if you, if your children had not turned out well, you would have thought, oh my gosh, there must be something wrong with me. I think if our sperm donor was in jail <laughs> or any number of things that indicated they were a bad person, we would probably start to, I think we started panic a little bit about what could be inside us. Me, I would probably be like, well, that checks out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. And I, you actually were the one who brought up meeting each other. I don't know how long it would have taken me to do that. Because I probably, yeah, I probably was going to wait until you asked anyway, just to make sure that you were comfortable with it. Um, but I also didn't know what kind of dust it was going to kick up within me. So I don't, so I definitely wouldn't have come to see you if you were in jail. <laughs> Kendall, how would you feel if you, I don't, I, saw, I think I know the answer already, but how would you feel if we had found our sperm owner and they had turned out to be not a, a great person? Um, I probably would have been pretty nonplussed. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was thinking too. <laughs> well, we're glad that you turned out to be the guy you are because you are very warm, very sweet, very funny. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think I want to wrap it up with, so obviously you've had to hear some hard things on the podcast, just from what we went through to then like some of our own behaviors that haven't been great. Um, so, and a lot of people could listen to the podcast and you said this and think because of all we've been through that we should be in a mental institution or at the very least like wildly depressed. Um, so what did you think when you met us about kind of our worldview? Um, well, gosh, I got to admit that a lot of this podcast has been very tough to listen to because, um, you know, I, I care about you guys and hearing hearing what you've gone through is like really, it, it's really gut-wrenching. Um, but uh, I, there's just a feeling of guilt's the wrong word because, uh, you know, I didn't, I just, I put you out there and whatever was going to happen was going to happen. It's more like a feeling of, uh, helplessness that I was never there to be able to do anything or try to do anything about it. But um, hearing the way you've come through and the people that you are today, um, I think is just great. I know in San Diego, uh, Ricky, you asked me if, if I was, <laughs> you asked me if I was ashamed of you and, and the answer is absolutely not. Um, the way you've come back, you know, you you guys are fighters, you're survivors, and, and uh, Kendall, you're you're just like this tower of strength. I mean, you, you not only had to deal with your father's death, but your sister's acting out, handling quite as, quite as well as you did, and you had to be a mediator between them, but they're a little rich, so I think you're, you're especially to be admired, but just... The way you guys have come back from all that, I, I, I think it's it's it warms my heart. It's, I'm, you know, like I told you, I was proud of you, and I really am. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Keith. <laughs> so before we say our parting words, you were busting out some pretty amazing dad jokes. 
at the zoo appropriately. Did you do you have one loaded up for us today? Um, I am king of the dad jokes. Um, okay, you guys are all movie buffs, yes? yes. Yes. Okay. What do the movies The Sixth Sense and Titanic have in common? Mm. Tell us. I see dead people. <laughs> I'm feeling that one for sure. <laughs> that was a good one. Amazing. That was a good one. Well, Keith, thank you so much for coming on. And I know both of our mothers wanted us to tell you thank you for your donation. <laughs> um, but that we, we really, what? Is that it? I'm done already? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it goes by fast. Yeah. Uh, we eat up time on these things. We're really trying to work on it. <laughs> is there is there anything that you wanted to say before we wrap up? Um, no, I mean it's just it's just been a pleasure getting to know you guys. Um, I think you guys um, are the living proof that uh, what I did so many years ago was the right thing to do. Um, I'm glad that you've turned out to be the way you are. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I told Ricky that, uh, if my daughters turned out to be the way you are, that, uh, I would be very happy. Making me choke up. Making me choke up. <laughs> well, thank you so much. We are, have been, it's been such an honor and thank you for handling things the way that you did, because I think a lot of the people listening and just people in general have either you know, gone on this journey and it hasn't ended up, ended out very well, or that's what's preventing them from even pursuing um, that discovery in the first place. So we're very, very blessed to um, have had you handle this the way that you have. And we thank you. And I you guys are- uh, getting to like talk to you for the first time ever. <laughs> it's been very, I have not talked to you before. I know. <laughs> Amazing. I like your voice. Pardon me? I said, I like your voice, Kendall. Oh, thank you. That makes one of us. <laughs> she hates it. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you so much, Keith. We um, just really appreciate you. And we know that everyone's been waiting to hear from you and you did not disappoint. Yeah. And I think you're really going to give a lot of hope to a lot of the people who are in this community and listen to the podcast so that they know that it doesn't always have to go awry. And sometimes you can get as warm of a welcome as Keith would give you. So yes. thank you. Well, you're welcome. <laughs> All right. We'll talk to you soon. Have a good one. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Are you guys going to talk about me now? well that was a delight i have to say the best part of this podcast has been interviewing people well that is what we expected which is why that's all we're gonna be doing (laughs) moving forward yes i am so excited for it to be just us chit-chatting with people from here on out um, but yeah, I mean, our interview with Keith, what did you guys, what did you guys think? He's such a sweet 
man. And something that um, he told us while we were with him is that he uh, he did some stand-up comedy shows. He took some acting classes. And I think it was very sweet that he very clearly prepared and like came for a, came for, to put on a perform not a performance and that he was faking anything, but really came to show up to give us his all. Yeah, give us his all. And you can just tell that he is so sweet. And I I think it's a little bit surprising how much of a paternal instinct he really does have, um, that he really does have for us, which, yeah, I almost feel bad. I'm like, I don't want us to, you know, he's listening to the podcast. He's listening to things that we've gone through. And I think it is, he's, um, he's feeling the, feeling the feels about it, but overall it, I think it just showed what a genuine compassionate person he is showed his absolute grace and having a freaking nuclear bomb dropped on him and the way that he handled that. And just, I think a great, it's not for me to tell donors how they should act if they are ever approached by their donor children. But I do think that he does set a great example for the grace and compassion that you can show. What about you? I mean, I've talked to him quite a bit, so that wasn't really very novel for me at all. I think he showed up and did amazing and had some jokes prepared and some stories prepared, which was great. Uh, I was also, well, I wasn't surprised to hear about how paternally he felt for us. I've been getting that vibe. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, mostly I just really liked what he had, the advice that he had for other sperm donors Mm -hmm. and then other people seeking to find their biological parents or dad um, and just really approaching that with sincerity and letting them know what you're there and what you're expecting right out of the gate. And then with, with donating sperm to just be super mindful of that and to have an open mind when, if and when someone reaches out to you, it's more and more likely all the time I have to mm-hmm. do. So <laughs> I really liked that he had taken the time to, to think about that. I do wish there were more similarities between us and his other daughters, but that's okay. <laughs> Kendall, before we kind of talk about what this season means as a whole as far as finding our biological father, what did you what were your takeaways from Keith's interview? Um, I think that my main takeaway was that it's just kind of the perfect culmination and kind of for how this has all panned out <laughs> like when we first you know learned about you and then we first met you and it's all kind of been all very exciting but nothing super like shattering or life-changing or anything like that it's just been kind of you know more information <laughs> and just you know more people in the world that we get to to love. So mm-hmm. I think it was really nice. And it was kind of a, a great metaphor for our, our whole story, actually. But yeah. yeah, that was your first time ever talking to him. It besides was a text message. Yeah. Did anything surprise you? Um, I don't. No, I think <laughs> <laughs> he pretty much puts off the same person in text as he does uh, in person, I think. And, um, you know, just well-spoken and he gave a great interview and it was just fun to talk to him. You know, it's 
this whole this whole time uh, when we first started, I was like, how are we going to fill 90 minutes? And then at the end, he was like, is it done already? And that's how it's all been this whole time. We have no problem just talking y'all's ears off. So yeah, he has always been a fan of our longer episodes <laughs> and our sadder episodes. <laughs> um, but I, I couldn't agree more. I do think regardless of the relationships that we have with him moving forward, everyone will make a different decision. Any decision is totally fine. But to have it as, like we said a couple episodes ago, a bow to wrap around Mm -hmm. this part of our lives is great. It's all led up to something and it wasn't a huge traumatic thing or a huge life-changing thing. It It ended up just being... A nice thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I think that's what we'll end with. And Kendall, I'll start with you so we can end with Ricky, since this was her initiative to begin with. Is there anything, any feeling that you have or any conclusion that you have come to? Or what do you feel about finding Keith? Do you, did it change anything for you? Did it solve anything for you or not? Shocker of all shockers. <laughs> I don't think it changed anything. I mean, it's um, it's nice to not have kind of a uh, question know, mark. Like a question mark, yeah. And uh, I, I mean, now we have to friggin' study our family history so I actually can fill out medical medical forms properly, which is annoying. <laughs> but we did find out that we are a quarter Mexican. I'm, cinco I am a quarter Mexican. <laughs> if you haven't tuned in on YouTube, Kendall is just very white and blonde <laughs> and blue-eyed. Um, and we found out that we are a lot of Greek as well, which is very, very cool. I think that we've always kind of had that inkling. Yeah. And that was satisfying to hear. Yeah. I will always identify as Italian. <laughs> Fair enough. I think, I think there's some of that in there too. Yeah. I think for Kendall and I, this may feel a little bit different than it did for you. And you and I had spoken about this. We were raised by adoptive parents and we always considered them. Our parents were very loyal to them. That was our mom and our dad. So I think when, when Ricky, you started on this journey of finding our biological father, I think when you did end up finding him for Kendall and I, that it just, and I don't want to speak on, on her behalf, but it was more of the same. It was like, okay, so I have a biological person out there, like Kathleen. Like I have a biological person out there that is half of you know half of my DNA, but we have always had our parents as our parents, so it doesn't. It didn't you know stir up a whole lot um, for just not a whole lot of change. Very you know yeah, I think kind of bow on it and nice to have made that discovery, but I think it might have felt a little bit different for you because you had started on this journey because you were obviously searching for something. So tell us, and I think this will, will be a nice, we'll, we'll go and talk a little bit about how the podcast has, has been for us all. But before that, just tell us how, what this has meant to you. Yeah. So first and foremost, it was different for me. I was, I specifically went on this journey because my dad had passed away at an early age. And then I just got to a breaking point where I was like, 
who am I? <laughs> what is going on here? So to the journey was very satisfying first and foremost, like that is a fun thing to do if you're into that. Uh, and to finally get to what you're searching for, it's incredibly satisfying, even more so satisfying that Keith is a good person. Mm -hmm. Like that will never be called into question. He is just a good guy from the inside out. Uh, seems to be a great father, seems to be a great husband and just welcomed us with open arms, which I am endlessly appreciative of. Um, a lot of people did tell me to go into this with no expectations. And I thought I was going in with no expectations. And then the, the thing that surprised me most uh, and my next, <laughs> my next quest to figure out is coming away from that uh, experience. Couldn't have been a more perfect day. I'm so grateful that it happened. Um, but it did make me more sad about my dad, which I just had not anticipated and do think that uh, that is now something that I need to work out. I think it's probably really good for me. I think I'm feeling a lot of things that I didn't feel initially when my dad passed away. Yeah. That I'm sort of being confronted with now. Yeah. Um, so that's not what I expected, but that's totally okay. And <laughs> the other thing is I've never seen my likeness in a man <laughs> and it's been kind of fucking with me when I look in the mirror. <laughs> I'm, str I'm, I'm looking at my face being like, do I ha have a masculine face? <laughs> so, um, yeah, just, uh, when, I mean, that's what I would say to people yeah. who go on the journey. Uh, you will have expectations regardless of if you want to have them or not. And anything that comes up for you is okay. Yeah, and I think it just goes to what we have said in that the people that raise you are your parents. Because I do. I, I know how you feel. Because it made me a little bit sad about our dad as well. And um, I think it's just one final tribute and testament to the amazing men that were Kenny and Lee. And um, yeah, it just made us miss them more than ever. And um, because they were our daddies. And I, I'm so sorry that it kind of kicked some stuff up for you. But I think just like you said, I think that's good. I think it's just another, you know, you of anyone are up for addressing it. And, you know, talking to Darla about it. And um, I love you. And I'm so happy that we've done all of this together. So I guess our final question is we are at the finish line of, I can't, this is like a surreal experience when you think back to when we said, okay, let's do it. Kendall, we want you to be in the studio, sitting there with us recording. We've gone through 10 episodes. Like Kendall said, we never thought that we were going to be able to fill up 10 episodes of blabber and he, good Lord, we had to cut a lot of I shit, did. you guys. <laughs> So, Kendall, end of season one, a project that I don't know if you ever thought that you were going to take on, and you so graciously decided to just embroil yourself in it with us. What are your, what are your takeaways? How are you feeling? Um, I think I'm feeling, I mean, I'm super excited to stop talking about myself. Yes. Um, <laughs> and stop listening. 
about us. <laughs> um, but I do think that I'm shocked because I really did enjoy interviewing people, which I did not expect at all. I expected that out of you. <laughs> and I also think that I'm feeling like we are kind of walking away with like a clean slate. And it's really cool because it's just like, I don't know where it's going to go from here. Um, I know you guys had to listen to a lot of our uh, ish issues. <laughs> but I do feel like um, we kind of confronted a lot of things that we never have. And now I'm kind of just like ready to kind of dust off the old the old boots and, and get. <laughs> All right, Orn. <laughs> Dust off the old boots. And just, uh, you know, keep moving forward from here and just, you know. They're made for walking, okay? <laughs> We're continuing We're the walk of life together. <laughs> we are losing it. I totally agree. Ricky, big, biggest takeaways. How are you feeling? It was very rewarding to do it with both of you. I think that it was more healing than anything else that we could have done. Um, and just really fun to learn about you guys. <laughs> I think that we all learned stuff about each other that we'd never known. Um, but more so, and this is something else that I would encourage people to do, is we told you everything. Everything about ourselves. That is crazy to do. Uh, but to lay it all out on the table for 20,000 plus people to be listening to at this point in however many countries, what, 38? Uh, and, so many. <laughs> um, almost all of the states. It actually feels totally cathartic. Mm -hmm. I have put my whole self out there. And if you love me, you love me. And if you hate me, you hate me. And if you ever want to hire me, <laughs> that's what I'm most worried about. <laughs> um, but I think you'd be crazy not to, is what I'm coming away with, is just to be that vulnerable is actually incredibly rewarding. And I would encourage more people to share more wholly and authentically like this, because it is a relief mm -hmm. to go out into the world and know that you don't have anything to hide. Mm -hmm. And you said it feels like kind of a, a closing of a chapter. If anyone ever asks us to tell this story again... <laughs> Go fuck yourselves. Oh, Lord, <laughs> we'll just like point to the podcast. Point to the podcast, period. Yeah. Because it is, that is always really a task. Mm -hmm. and a, it, It's exhausting. It is exhausting. Um, especially because even when you try to abbreviate it for the sake of the other person and for your own sanity, <laughs> they just say no. Like now right. they want to know everything. So mm -hmm. I'm... Very happy. You're happy to have a body to work of work to point to. Yes. That is, I had not actually thought of that. That is quite the relief. I am so incredibly grateful. This podcast has meant, I'm not going to say more to me than anyone in this room. Um, but it did. I, I started thinking about it a long time ago. And we had not found our sperm donor at that point. So it was really just going to be maybe a little bit about us, but about other people's stories. And then... Obviously, um, went through some things and did some things that I was not proud of. And to have this be kind of the way that we were able to come together, able to work on a project together. I don't, I don't know if this is going to sound bad, but I feel like this is maybe the best apology 
close that I could have given in, in just being open and honest. So I'm again, just so grateful for, to both of you for, for doing this. And I'm so proud of it. I really do think that it's a really beautiful little capsule for us to always be able to look back on. So we are real quick. I yeah. just want to clarify. You said that the podcast meant more to you than anyone in this room. She means that the podcast <laughs> more, means more, more to, to her. her than the podcast means to me or to Ricky. <laughs> Not that it means more to her than me or Ricky. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. Yep. The, pod, the podcast. Fuck you guys. Just the podcast, podcast is her new sister. <laughs> oh. No, yes. It, I, I just think it was um, it was really, really healing for me and really a way for me to, like Ricky said, be as open and honest as possible and get everything out on the table so that we can all move forward. And I do, I think this is the closest that we've been and I can't wait to see what the future holds. So holy shit, you guys, I think we are going to be wrapping up for today. We're going to take a Two month long break, but like I said, we are already working on season two for you guys. So I do want to give you a little sneak peek of our first guest of season two. His name is Mark Craven. He's an author, he's a father, and Jesus, his life might be way more fucked up than ours is. <laughs> I found him via a Reddit AMA post. So the heading of it is going to be your guys' sneak peek for season two. I am a man who was raised by a severely racist single mother. She taught me to hate black people. I was shocked to find out in my 20s that my real bio dad was a black WWF wrestler. And that's all you're going to get for right now. In addition to Mark, we are actually, we have already lined up another very special guest in my opinion. We will also in season two be talking to Jason Hyatt of the Netflix documentary, Our Father. Go prep yourself for that by watching that documentary. Oh, my mind blowing. Incredible. So, And I think before we sign off, just a huge, huge thank you to the audience. You guys are amazing. There are more of you than we could have expected for a first season. Mm -hmm. And you have all been incredibly sweet in the way that you've interacted with us. Yeah, I don't want to knock. I should probably knock on wood, but... There have been literally zero trolls. So, yeah, I think you're right. That's how you know we haven't made it yet. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. That's true. I'm sure we'll we'll stack them up eventually. So, yes, thank you so much, so much to our audience. You guys have been incredible. We cannot wait to learn and grow with you. We are so excited for season two. We will see you in two months. And in that time frame, please send us your stories. Send us your stories. Tell a friend that maybe has a story. If you know of someone that has something that that needs to be said on this podcast, we really do not want to be put any under any kind of like DNA discovery umbrella. This kid, this is more about family, family strife or father dynamics, father dynamics yeah. than anything else. So please go to our website, send us your stories, go to our TikToks, submit your stories there. You can DM us, do whatever you want. And in the meantime, 
We are signing off. We hope you leave feeling a little bit more normal in your own family dynamic, excited for the possibilities and more curious about the world around you. Have a good couple months, take things in stride and leave people better than you found them. We will see you next season. Thank you so much and in huge, incredible thank you to Scribe for producing the first season of this podcast. There is no way we could have pulled this shit off without you. And of course, thanks to Herzo for original music. And thank you to Kathleen. Thank you to Tina. Thank you to Keith. And thank you to Darla for being just the most incredible guest that we could have ever asked for for this first season. We could not be grateful for each and every one of you. We will see you guys next time. Bye. 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 Bye.